This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Palmade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpalmade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Palmade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. The Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John. This episode's guest is Matt Musty, uh, and you may be looking at the name uh, if you clicked on this episode, and you might be like, who the fuck is that? Um, Matt is a longtime friend of mine, uh, started back, shit, maybe a, uh, maybe about a decade ago at this point, and Matt at the time was in a band called Sun and Flesh out of New York. Um it was a band that a mutual friend of ours, uh, the band and of mine, put us in touch. Uh, at the time, I was booking shows, uh, so I brought them out to here in Grand Rapids. Uh, we formed a little bit of a friendship and so forth, and then I booked them a couple more times. And then uh, at one point, uh, I ended up booking them a, f- a, a tour uh, around the Midwest. I think it was about six or seven dates uh, over the course of – or six or seven shows over the course of about – maybe like a week or so. And that was basically culminating in the last show on my birthday here in my house, uh, actually, and was one of those. And as you'll hear Matt and I talking uh, about it, uh, I felt like I was just kind of not welcomed and it was very weird. And it's kind of funny. Um, that's, kind of not feeling welcomed or not feeling like I belong, I guess is a better a better turn of phrase, uh, is something I've actually kind of been dealing with a little bit more lately. Uh, actually, as of when I'm recording this, uh, I just went and saw Atreyu the night before, uh, or last night, but the night before currently, and uh, Porter and myself were talking, uh, texting, I should say, and we're just kind of talking about some stuff and... You know, I was kind of making the comments uh, as, as you know, mediums and tarot readings and so forth have kind of become very prevalent, uh, heavily featured kind of in my life. Um, signs keep kind of bringing this thing back around to me. 
And, you know, I was making the comment to him, I don't really know what I'm going to do with the information. And I guess also I'm afraid, what if I find out, uh, I don't know, I guess like that I'm not worthy of something, I guess. I don't know. And, and I, these, these fears and these doubts and how that correlates to the, the chat with Matt is, you know, for a while, you know, once Matt left Sun and Flesh and then once he ended up kind of getting more studio work and moving out to L.A. Uh, from the East Coast and, you know, getting a lot of these bigger opportunities, it was one of those where I was like, oh, I don't I feel like I'm a bother if I reach out to him. And then the other thing is, too, with doing this podcast with some people that I know before I even started the show I just have this weird thing where I feel like potentially the other person is going to feel like I'm taking advantage of our our friendship or our relationship outside of a show because of the notoriety that maybe they bring to the table or, or something to that effect. And, and I just, I never want that. And the other facet of that, though, that is interesting is, you know, in therapy, we, you know, that was something my therapist and I talked about was sort of why I don't feel like I am deserving of people's attention or of the accolades or the praise or, or these things. And, you know, it kind of boiled down to, I guess, how I was raised. You know, I, I kind of feel like at times, you know, we grew up in the, or at least I did. I don't, I don't, I don't want to generalize, generalize and say this for somebody else. For me, I grew up in the, it, it's good, but it's not the best. You could always do better. So like, hey, you got an A. Well, you didn't get an A plus. Or I came in first. Yeah, but you barely, you know, it, it's things like that where it's like good was good, but it wasn't the best. And so I think that's where a lot of the stress kind of I put on myself possibly comes from. Actually, I don't think possibly. I'm pretty sure that's actually where it came from. And so it just becomes this thing where it's like, I know I'm doing good and I know that people like me and that I'm not taking advantage of people and all those kind of things. Cause if I was they the relationship, the friendship that is there would not exist um, because it would be one-sided, but it was one of those things in, in talking with Matt that a lot of these things kind of came to fruition. We, we talked about a lot of these things, Matt, Matt, since I had last spoke to him has done so much. Uh, he has grown so much as a person, as a musician, I would say as a business person, um, these, some of these things are sides of him I didn't really know much about. And since the show has kind of changed from being a, let me ask you an interview kind of style process and been more of just a casual conversation, I think that's where, you know, I was kind of actually able to learn a lot more about Matt and what he's gone through and who he is. And I think that's that's interesting, and I think our relationship actually is very much how I need to be moving forward with other friends and other people I know, where it doesn't, you know, literally Matt says, it, it doesn't take but like a couple of seconds to send a text and just be like, hey man, I was thinking of you. And in light of the pandemic and in light of, you know, us getting older and losing people, that's something that it literally takes two seconds to just remind someone like, Hey, I was thinking of you today and I hope you're doing well. And that's, that's a good thing. Those are good things we should do for people, but we get in our own way and think that we're going to be a bother to somebody. I'm so glad that Matt took the time with me to do this conversation. 
Um, I'm reminded today. I, I, today is just, it's a great day that I'm actually recording this this intro, and I know it's longer than normal, and I know I'm kind of talking through my own shit, but I've really been in my own head the last few days. I haven't done a podcast with anyone in about a month, so like a lot of the things I usually kind of work my way through, I haven't been able to. But today, as I'm sitting here recording this, I'm just so filled with with positivity and and filled with a lot of thanks uh, that I have such amazing friends that I can reach out to and, and have meaningful conversations about things, whether for the podcast or just in life. Uh, I'm sitting here literally, and you know, to kind of plug something, I'm literally sitting here drinking a tea. Uh, I think I had mentioned on uh, Instagram a couple weeks back that I bought some more loose leaf teas. I was texting with a friend of mine, Mallory, and she was like, oh, you got to, what, what are you using? Are you using this to steep it? Or da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, I use my curry. I got a reusable curry cup. And she basically shamed me. <laughs> and she was like, bitch, I'm going to send you some, uh, or like organic, uh, fillable tea bags and you can do that. So I am currently drinking my white blueberry tea with the tea bags that Mallory got me. And I went up my game in that, but I'm thankful for friends who, buy me something so I can enjoy a nice cup of tea the way I guess that it should be versus throwing it in a Keurig. Uh, I'm thankful for, you know, my friends and, in, in, you know, Porter, uh, who spent a little while last night talking with me about some heavy shit and about some of the things that I'm kind of trying to work my way through. I'm thankful for other friends, my wife, uh, who I have some of these conversations with. I'm thankful for you as a listeners for, you know, giving me a space and, and maybe you're fast forwarding through all this, but maybe, Maybe these are kind of becoming what some of my podcast heroes are doing. You know, I listen to Mark Maron go through and talk about his shit, and I'm just like, man, I'm not alone. I, somebody else feels this way too, and someone with exponentially more popularity, more success in all these things, and, and even after you reach this level of success and, and this, this fame and notoriety, you're still dealing with shit, because at the end of the day, you have to take care of you, and you have to be okay. And I know... This is a very long-winded intro, and I don't typically do ones like this, but I'm just, I've been thinking so much about as I'm leading up to the recording of this, just how thankful I am uh, that I have great friends. And someone like Matt, who, you know, I think like we joked, uh, we haven't talked or seen each other in, in probably six, seven years at this point, but we're able to just kind of pick right back up where we were. And I think that that is the testament of a real friendship. You're not always there, but you're there when you need to be. And when you are, you're able just to pick back up like nothing had ever happened. Um, so without further ado, my long blabbing, I'm sorry. This is my conversation with my friend Matt Musty, and I'll talk to you all on the other side of it. I don't have to tell you that I'm recording. It yeah. just knows. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, really this thing is just, I mean, I don't, I used to do like a formulated, like let's, let's ask questions and all that kind of stuff. And I just found it to really kind of be disingenuous to a degree. Cause you know, I'm narrate, I'm narrating before I even talk to you a whole conversation based on what I think is important. And a lot of times I tend to find that when you do that, it's just, it, it's, it's not really how a conversation goes. So it's just easier to actually have Shoot a conversation with some, yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, like you just kind of said before you officially hit record, you know, we haven't seen each other. I mean, I saw you on that Grace Potter tour, but I saw you for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then it's you had, always like that. Oh, I mean, that's that's touring. That's, that's having yeah. touring friends in a nutshell. It's like, hey, thanks for the tickets. I want to hang out with you or do something. And then you're like, well, I got bus <laughs> call and we got a long trip. So yes. see you later. Bye. And it's like, all right. That's and this last this last summer out with train has been like, OK, we're we're a bubble. So I will not see you wave to me from the crowd. I'll try to wave to you from the stage. I'll text you after. See ya. You know, enjoy the show. And it's, it's such a bummer, but it, every day was just like, oh, oh, thank God we get another day. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's that's an interesting thing because, I mean, and I didn't really text you about this because I thought it'd be kind of awkward to, to text you this and not actually go see it or anything like that. Like not to be like, oh, I don't want to go see you because I can't see you. But like you were right. one of the first kind of bigger tours that was going out that was, a, I mean, can't correct me if I'm wrong. You did not have to cancel any of your dates like you were able to do the full run. They postponed two, but not because of COVID. One was a Tahoe show when Tahoe was just on fire. And mm. that is a terrible situation over there. Um, so they obviously canceled that because of like air quality. And then some venue had some other thing, but nothing on our end had to be canceled for COVID. And that was like, holy cow, I can't believe we just pulled this off. <laughs> so being one of the first bands to really kind of tour fully, uh, you know, yeah. full production pr crew, everything and having successfully completed the tour. I mean, how was that? I mean, that you are, like I said, there's a few tours wrapping up now, but yeah. like you're the first person I've talked to that's legitimately done a full tour. And I mean, how was it for you? What was, I well, guess we'll just was, start there. It was short and sweet. It was five weeks, which is, which is not a full summer tour for these guys. Um, and it was just, you know, once we once we realized we were OK, as long as we were smart about stuff, um, you know, that it, of course, it's always a roll of the dice, but we got lucky and we were smart. So um, once that once that was established, it was just like, OK, we haven't played for two years. We're just going to be on the bus watching TV every night and like, <laughs> you know, just hanging out like like the good old days, like your first tour and you're just like ready to, to hang and be a part of the thing you know so it, it was really fun to have that young energy back mm. <laughs> i think everyone got a kick out of it we didn't no one got sick of each other and uh it, you know you just we were just happy and grateful to be out there sounds cliche but it was it was a real gratitude thing of like okay i can't believe we get to do this especially now so it was really we were really fortunate you know you kind of hit on one of the other ancillary topics i was going to ask about it but you know with basically and you know for those that maybe won't know this and we'll kind of get into this probably in a little bit too but like you know you're yes you are the drummer for train yes you've done drumming and touring for other bands and so forth but you're kind of also in this studio musician world where you know you're not actively going out and playing you know a summer's worth of gigs and so forth or you might locally but you know it's one of those where i think a lot of people you know, touring is like getting to see your friends, going to explore the cities or countries you're going to for the first time and getting local flavor and so forth. So, yeah. you know, it, it's you're only getting to kind of do one third of what makes touring fun from my perspective. Yes. Yeah. You know, you kind of already said that it, it was fun at least getting to hang out and tour and stuff like that. But was there kind of a, a part that made you realize like how much like, yes, getting to play the shows is awesome, but how much you miss even the other aspect of it? Oh, yeah. Something there was definitely a piece of the puzzle missing. But thankfully, like I said, no one got sick of each other. If, if, if it was a bummer hang, 
then <laughs> it would be it would have been totally a, a really much harder five weeks. But, you know, it was just like kind of just like old times in a way. And we, we you know, I know I, everyone kind of pitched in and made it seem that way because we knew that element was missing. That's such an obvious piece of the puzzle that to lose it was uh, could have been really hard. But luckily it wasn't because we all had each other. So I kind of wanted to go back to a tour we did, a, a real shit tour. Um, I've talked no, about it. No, I, I don't think it was shit. That's the wrong way to put that. Because, I, well, when I, <laughs> because when I say like... Some of the most, those are some of the times where I learned the most in my life about what what happens, what goes into this. You really? know, Yeah, totally. Because, well, because, you know, now with like a nicer uh situation your stuff is spoon fed to you you get a day sheet you know what every half an hour of that day is looking like and in many cases you don't start your day till 4 p.m mm-hmm. and it's it's a wonderful situation but if i had gone straight into that i don't think i would appreciate it as, as much as i do you know having done the legwork and having done the long drives and losing breaks and having to share a hotel couch you know and like whatever or not even a hotel a floor you know and just whatever it is uh that those were informative years i think and and it's good to do it while you're as young as we were (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i think the thing that was interesting about all that to me was you know i looked back on it because sometimes it'll pull up in my time hop and it was really recent because it was around my birthday that we went like my the week of my birthday basically yeah and you know, I was going to places I'd never been, you know, like to Milwaukee to, you know, playing in the outskirts of Chicago and stuff like that. But it was one of those, you know, at the time when I wanted to be a booking guy yeah, uh, or a booking person, I was like, all right, let, let's see. Like this, in theory, would be kind of the next step is trying to book tours for people and kind of becoming like a, a booking agent outside of my local area. And yeah. it was one of those where. You know, I was really excited to go hit the road. And the the thing that I thought kind of sucked is like I was under the impression, you know, you guys being from New York and all that kind of stuff. And especially the first time I brought you out, like, you know, you had an LED wall and all this kind of stuff behind you, like more yeah. than any band I had ever seen or booked really at that point. <laughs> so I was under the impression that, you know, Sun and Flesh at the time was like this big fucking deal coming out of out of, you know, the East Coast out of New York, you know, obviously having Melissa Cross kind of. uh championing you guys having josh wilbur work on you know at the time hadn't quite become the metal producer he's become but you know you had a lot of pedigree about the band that you were in and i know you weren't the original drummer you and ryan weren't the original rhythm section right but you were what was presented to me like in the epk stuff and so i was under the impression like you guys were used to doing things like on a bigger scale and so forth so to do the tour that i booked for you and then kind of tag along with you i was like Oh, this isn't what you guys are used to. That right. was the perception I had. Well, that that was like a little cart before the horse kind of thing, like but like traveling with an LED wall and massive amps and big drum set and the whole thing. Um, but like, you know, I, I think well, okay. Well, the 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 dynamic there was such that Christoph and Stefan were our cousins and are that band, and so my capacity in that band and Ryan's at the time was to just be sidemen uh, freelancers, which is where we were coming from. So these two worlds collided of like, here's a band band all for one, one for all. And here's guys who freelance. And that's just <laughs> not the same attitude. And it's really, it was really fun because 
Ryan and I, and I think, I think he would say the same thing. You, you get, we got to play something totally out of our element. And I got to like woodshed double kick patterns and different things and learn something that was completely different than my like Americana guy brushes at hotel cafe, Rockwood music hall, backbeat kind of just subtle songwriter vibe to like hit heavy for the first time really. And, and in a, in a couple of big rooms and be like, wow, this is what that feels like was really cool. So, I mean, I love those guys. I still keep in touch with them. I see them whenever they're in, in my town. Um, and I really respect what they do and that genre in general because it's so foreign to me, but I've developed a real, a real love for it actually. And it's great. Well, out of curiosity, like I know you and I had kind of talked, you and Ryan and I were kind of the two, the, th the three of us collectively, but the two of you and the band that I kind of really, I guess, gravitated toward the most uh, during, you know, that week run. And it was one of those where, you know, getting to talk to you guys as more studio musicians, or I like the term freelance musician a little bit more. Um, yeah. I think that's like just such a fascinating world. And, you know, and it's one of those for me where, you know, I kind of grew up watching, you know, and being the guy who's like looking at liner notes, looking to see who extra musicians are on stuff and so forth, you know, getting to talk to Eric Martin a couple of weeks ago from Mr. Big and, you know, he's constantly like a behind the scenes kind of guy doing, you know, backing vocals for stuff or writing for cool. other things and, you know, sync opportunities and so forth. So to me, it's like, I know that that's, that's such a world that you know can make a full career out of it but unfortunately yeah. it's one of those where unless you're in the know people like that don't get the the recognition they really deserve for playing on some of your favorite albums and some of your favorite parts on records yeah uh but but a lot of the times that type of personality i've noticed they're not out for really for that not to say that that uh someone who gets to take the credit and all the glory on stage is but a studio lifestyle and, and freelance kind of thing is a little bit more just like you're you're a studio rat and that's what you do. It's less about touring and more about playing great tunes and not having to play the same tunes for years and years and years. You know, everything <laughs> is fresh and different. And, you you know, at least in the old days, you'd clock in and go to work. And Hal Blaine in L.A. would play on, you know. 12 15 songs that like 10 of them became number one and that was one day for him you know and it's just such a beautiful craft i love it so much and i love all facets of it i love being able to then hit the road especially with something you worked on uh or or that someone else that you're a fan of has worked on and you're mimicking their parts or doing your own interpretation of it it's such a it's such an interesting job and career i'm just grateful to have something that keeps me hungry and, and interested every day. It's really cool. Do you find that with, in some situations, you know, we'll say like with the sun and flesh thing, possibly with the Grace Potter and even with the train stuff that it has allowed you to learn how to be more of a chameleon to, to adopt so many different styles and have to be a quick learner of, of yes. the little nuances of other people. Absolutely. Because there's plenty of times on, on, in my experience on tour where you're about to go out and play for however many people. And, you know, an hour before the show, someone's like, okay, we're going to do this cover tonight or this deep cut album cut thing from years ago that none of the band has ever heard, or at least I haven't. And I have to go learn that quickly. It's, it's, uh, it's all of my past experiences have made that moment much easier than it would have been without those 
that history. Do you find that you parlay that skill into life with people that you meet? No, I'm a big dummy with anything outside of hitting drums. Really? <laughs> it seems well, I mean, it just seems like if you if you would be able to sit there with music and so forth and be able to kind of pick it apart to kind of find your way through it as, as quickly as sometimes you may have to, or especially in a recording situation where it's like, all right, we're kind of thinking something like this, this is the tempo and go, that you oh. would potentially be able to take that same set of skills and apply it to reading people or reading situations out in public. Yeah. I think I think some of it has has seeped into real life. Um, but you know, it is to me, to me, it's just a different thing. Your craft, it, the, what's actually, ironically, oddly more important is, is stepping away many times from, from music or, or just drums or anything, you know, just like whatever you do, whatever you're obsessed with, whatever you've put your 10,000 hours into, mm -hmm. step away from that so you can not be a big dummy with everything else in life. Because as important as I think drumming is and hitting things with sticks, it's really, you know, what's what's more important is the life stuff and uh, to 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 step away from it and put some more time into the other stuff is is, I think, what what gets you better at that. But there are but there are parallels to your point. I think there are parallels. I just can't think of any right now. <laughs> it's still early for you. <laughs> I've been working West for me. <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, am I am I like the lightest hitting drummer you've had on this podcast? Because I saw I saw you had the um, the poison the well guy uh, Chris, Chris Hornbrook. Hornbrook. Yeah, and I I've run into him. I'm a fan of him. Uh, his I don't think he would know me. I've run into him like with playing with Danny Harrison on festivals and different stuff. We were sharing some weird backline kit, uh, but he's great. He's a monster and he hits hard. And I love his style. So it's funny, like, actually, you know, these guys, uh, the heart or no life at the time. They're not heart sick. Um, yeah. So their drummer that they have now, cause they've had like a rotating door of uh, a few different drummers, but it's always like, well, we have this guy, their original drummer, uh, passed away, sadly a long time, a couple, mm. like almost a decade ago, I think at this point. And then it's been, uh, the guy they have now, Jake, and then they had Justin and it's just kind of been a, a revolving door between the two. Like Jake all of a sudden can't tour, can't do anything. And then Justin's like, well, I got the itch to play. Like, let's go. So they've kind of kept the consistent three and then it's just a rotating drummer. But I always make the joke, and I've told Jake this recently. I was like, I swear it doesn't look like you're hitting hard at all, like barely hitting the kit. And I go, yeah. but it makes the noise, and I'm obviously able to hear it, but it looks like you're just like, but it'll be like, I mean, and it's, it's I mean, weird. Without getting too far into the weeds here for, for drummers, you know, like it, it, some of it is making it look like you're hitting hard. And yeah. like, especially on the, with the cymbals, because they're bright and shimmery and piercing. And really, they take up a lot of guitar real estate in a, in a mix, just thinking on, on the uh, musical, you know, frequency spectrum. Uh, so you do want to, in a rock show and a rock band particularly, look like you're smashing those cymbals, but really kind of playing surprisingly light. And then your, your drums, your kick and snare and toms are heavier. So your left hand and right foot end up being heavy, heavy, and your right hand ends up being actually surprisingly light. So I think that's the trait of a, a, a great player is that their instinct is to go lighter on the symbols because they know what that does. It's just always funny. Cause like, I, I always gravitate like drums are probably one of the first things I kind of pay attention to. And like, if I'm listening to something for the first time, drums are probably the thing I'm going to follow most uh, yeah. right away. Just cause I think it, it really informs everything else. Me personally. Yeah. Um, 
and especially thinking metal, because I think it kind of is the transitional thing, because a lot of times bass gets lost in the mix. So really, other than whatever guitar is doing, drums are kind of either leading it or, you know, accompanying vocal patterns or, or whatever. Like it really is kind of informing a lot of what you're hearing musically. Yeah. Um, so it's it's always interesting. And, and my I mean, my I think my interest in drummers is pretty diverse, but I also think that someone like you who's more in the studio side of things i think you would probably obviously smoke me with my references but a lot of mine are like you know tony royster royster jr like is one of my favorites like oh he's blinding i mean it's it's as far as i'm concerned he and i play two different instruments yeah because because it's an acrobatic amazing and very musical thing that he does he's excellent I yeah. mean, the, just seeing him like in the, those videos on YouTube of him playing at like four and like the sticks oh, yeah. are like almost as big as he is. And you're just like, how are you able to do all this shit? Like, it's incredible. I know. I know. He's a prodigy. He really was. But some, I tend of, to... some of us had to practice <laughs> even to just get good at two and four. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think for me, like I tend to lean more toward like the the pop hip hop people just because I think yeah. they have to play around with so many different styles and subgenres within yeah. what they do yeah. that a lot of it's just focused on you know your your rudimentary like three pieces yeah. your your hi-hat your snare and your kick and that's it oh and then it's just i mean figuring out from there i mean just watch quest love he's the, oh the dude is his own genre of music i mean it's not if you saw it written out there's not a lot of ink to what he's playing but no one can make it feel like he does there's a lot of unspoken stuff that you really can't teach um you know, well, I think, and even to kind of make to kind of answer your question about Chris, you know, Chris, when we talked, he's like, yeah, you know, Poison the World's cool and it's it's fun, you know, doing these anniversary shows and seeing people, you know, go ape shit during the stuff. He goes, but like, I used to go see them, hell yeah. He's like, I'm so far removed playing wise from that, like I'm light years ahead of that. And he oh. goes, like, it gets to the point, you know, talking about doing the stuff with Danny Harris, kind of even doing the stuff he's doing with Greg from X Dillinger Escape Plan. You know, he's like. I'm doing so much new stuff and better things playing wise from a technical perspective that it's almost harder for me to go back and then have to be like, all right, I got to get my like double, my double kick patterns going again. And I got to get good at that again. Totally. To play if you a don't couple keep of shows. your legs. Yeah. Seriously. If you don't keep your feet warm, like I've t totally lost my double kick, anything that was, that was developed during sun and flesh days when we met um, anything like that. I mean, Damn, I mean, like my first band with my like high school garage band was a ska band and a punk band, and we do do god, god damn, yeah. So a lot of D beat stuff. Yeah, and that stuff, there's no not a chance I could play it right now. I would need a week <laughs> to like go and shed. And it's not it's not dumb, it's just foreign right now to me. And whatever's in your hands currently is the thing you gravitate to, but then you pick something else up, and it's just this evolution over decades of trying to figure this this instrument out and and but ultimately. You know, I think it's I enjoy playing music more than I enjoy playing drums, if that makes any sense. I love being a piece of the puzzle. What you know, at this point, because I, I I don't think I've really ever gotten to talk to anyone on the show that's more of kind of the like studio side of things. Yeah. What you know, I would say you you seemingly are just percussion and drums maybe some backing vocals it seems like are and i see like the i don't for, i know that guitar i just can't remember what it's called that's behind you um oh that's a roland g707 okay i know like the guys in, up as i say i know like the guys in orgy and, and stuff like that and julian k use those um oh, it's, for a lot it's, of their stuff it's totally cool what a cool instrument but i don't recall really knowing if you play like guitar or bass or stuff like that but i would imagine 
given the vibe of what you do, you've probably picked it up at least, I would assume. I started playing music on on piano. I started taking keyboard lessons with my mom. I, I kind of grew up. Uh, she She's a church organist of 40, 50 years. And I my brother and I grew up turning her pages in in church. So we, we would end up reading the shape of the music, you know, getting early, early early education on like how music flows and what this shape is going and when we should start tur- thinking about turning the page. And sometimes we'd be late and mom would be like, yeah, go, 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 go. Um, but that was the early thing. And piano, there was always a piano and a guitar in the house. Late Drums came a bit later, like third, fourth, fifth grade. I, I don't really remember. But yeah, it's always been it's always been more music focused than drum focused. Of course, there were years that I was heavy into and still am, you know, practicing and doing rudiments and, and, and studying the drums, but ultimately, yeah, it's, it's more, I think, I think to be, to be the dumb drummer in the corner in a musical conversation, who's like, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, do whatever you guys do is, is kind of a, it's, it's a sad thing because you should be a valid musician too. Um, and, and know the language a bit. When you go to the four chord, you should know what that is and what that feels like. So it's funny you kind of say that my musical background is is lack of uh, schooling of technical knowledge. A lot of what I do is just feel. um, And, you know, it was really funny. I remember getting the nerve one day to play uh, with uh, Stefan. Like there was a guitar and I just was playing it. He's like, oh, man, you're really good. And I was like, no, I'm not <laughs> like <laughs> I have never been taught anything. I'm all self-taught. So I probably have a lot of bad habits. And but it was one of those things where, you know, I remember jamming with some people a while ago, many, many years ago. And they were like, all right. Pick a pick a, you know, chord. Yeah. And they're like, A. And someone's like, all right, you G F. And then they're like, all right, we're going to play it. Like, that's our that's our chord progression. And I was like that. Yeah doesn't sound like fun like there there's i guess there's room to improve like improv in there because you know like this is the keys and the scales and so forth so like you know you there's like your little wiggle room but to me it's like i feel like you know i come from and always heard of stuff where it's like you get in a room with a bunch of people i might be jamming on a riff you're like yo that's pretty cool keep doing that i have something and then someone else comes in and then someone else comes in and it's all about the spontaneity of creating out of nothing not being so i would say rudimented in this is the key that we're going to play in and go right right i I mean everyone it the 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 process of writing a song or a piece of music is so different for everyone i mean a lot of people start with words Mm. you know a lot of the greatest writers in the world start with words i could never do that i know for me it's always musical but back to what you're saying about being self-taught there's nothing wrong with that there's 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 way too many people who are far too educated for their own good on in music too. You know, sometimes you have to be able to access the, the quote unquote dumb stuff uh, to, to really fully realize where the song's going and not get in the way of it. So there's, there's such a fine balance and it's different for everyone, but that's why there's so much different music. You know, that's why, that's why rush is so cool. Cause they don't give a shit about, what you know what what you think and what you think is a fun uh, easy thing to dance to they're going to go and show you how nerdy they can be and it's great you know and i think being open to a bunch of different genres of music is huge i had a bunch of early teachers who were like no no, no don't 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 be so uh 
so judgy on everything. Here's, here's this West African music and here's this jazz record and here's this and that. And you just ultimately gain a respect for everything without poo-pooing it. And I think that's really been an important part of my life uh, and career is just not being closed off to stuff, especially the metal, you know, the metal, the metal band is like, okay, I'm not going to say no to this because this could be really fun, different experience. And it absolutely was. I think it's, it's, it's just so interesting. Cause I remember, especially on that, that run we did, you know, I think at the time Gojira was really kind of coming into prominence. Um, yeah. I think like architects was kind of getting big over here in the States. We were listening um, to bring me the horizon nonstop. I remember nonstop. that too. Yeah. And it was just kind of weird. Cause it's like, you know, it was interesting to, to watch how all of you were, were, taking it in because a lot of it was literally new like had music that had just come out so no one really knew it at the time but it was interesting to see how the four of you collectively were taking it all in like you and ryan would talk about oh it's really cool how like the sound of this is like listen to how big like that drum like the the toms on that sound listen to how the mix sounds and all this kind of stuff and then you know you have stefan and christoph who are like oh that like that arpeggiated da 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 like from another more technical side of things or you know, that's cool how this tail and this tail riff leads into this or whatever. And yeah. it was just and really interesting to kind of sit there and listen to you all yeah. dissect something. And I'm just kind of going like, yeah, man, that's a slamming ass song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it, you do have to get into the weeds a little bit to, to then mimic and find your own way in a similar sound. But those two, Christoph and Stefan were really just living that life and living that living and breathing that music and that kind of dedication to the genre and to the sound was really what led the way for for me and Ryan to be like, well, we can learn, we can pick up something from these guys. And this is this is incredible to just see them demoing up a song that sounds finished, you know, and they they want you want me to play up replace those drums. I think they're fine. But yeah, I'll do it. That sounds great. (laughs) And we get to meet Melissa Cross and whoever else, you know, like really cool. What a great, what a great experience that band was to me, to me. I mean, we were I was living in New York at the time. We were all kind of we were in our own like kind of individual miserable states of existence because we <laughs> we were young and in new york and for me i was doing everything wrong and took because i always did want to be a freelancer and a studio guy and i just i it was a it was a big i was a sponge during that time just learning and getting no sleep and just absorbing everything about that city and working hard and an early job and like kind of just figuring it out post college post you know education safe space i it was the first feeling of like okay i gotta make this work if i want to be a a musician i gotta figure out how any of this works Mm. and so you caught me at at a pretty early stage that was really really interesting really fun and everything in between (laughs) well i think i feel like that's that's the interesting thing sort of about you know, because I, I was going to text Ryan the other day because he doesn't post on social media a ton. So yeah. he's one of those sort of like you where it's like because social media has become such a, an integral part of what informs our interpersonal relationships. I yeah. feel like if you just kind of because the algorithm will be like, oh, well, you two don't communicate as much or interact with each other. So we're going to put people that you do in the forefront of what you see. And oh, yeah. so what ends up happening at that point is you almost kind of lose touch with people. And I think the interesting thing is like knowing that you and I were kind of like, you know, reconnecting again, because I always feel like the hard part for me a lot of times is I like I know how busy I am with my own bullshit just doing this. I can't imagine 
you know, I know tour is a hurry up and wait game, but I also feel like if I'm one person and I know I want to be like, Hey, like, you know, I'm more inclined to just text you and bullshit. Well, okay. Like you got family, you got probably your closer friends and then people you're on the road with and so forth. And I'm like, now I'm just compounding onto things that I deem to be more important or people (laughs) who are more important. So I'm just like, I don't really have anything important to say. So I'm just not going to reach out and text or nothing. But like, it was one of those, like, where I've been kind of thinking a lot more about it in light of, you know, the pandemic we've all gone through and and losing Mm -hmm. some friends and so forth, where I'm like, I should be a lot more like, that's the whole point of texting. I can send you a text and just be like, Hey man, blah, 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 whatever. I don't know. Watch the Gary Busey movie or, Hey, did you see the new Val Kilmer documentary thing that he put out? Fucking incredible. And then it might be a week. And then you'll reply. And it's like, that's the beauty of texting is like, I can do that and you can get back to it whenever you want. Like I, I, um, I'm of the belief that it's always worthwhile to tell someone you, you, you cross my mind or I, I watched this Gary Busey movie that reminded (laughs) me of you because those are good times. And like, it's fun to be reminded of that. And like, I don't know, it's fun to be thought of, I think in on a human level. So I'm always of the thought that you, if you think of Ryan, you should reach out to him. I saw him last week. We both live in LA now and he's got a luthier business. That's great. And he's really doing some amazing things with his life. And so I I don't know. I think, I think it's always, it's always, we'll pick it up where we left off. Even if it's like, it's been probably a hundred, 200 years since we've seen each other, but it's like, you know, it's like yesterday. I know it was funny. I was watching, uh, I was listening to doc Coyle. Uh, he has a podcast and I was listening to his show and they were talking about action movies. And then he was like, Oh man, under siege is like one of the best action movies of all time. And the big crux that he kept getting stuck on that I think is so hilarious. And I can't believe I've never thought of this, but he was like, I mean, think about it. The band in the movie that are all bad guys are a fucking great band. Like you have to like, like, where do you find a great band? And you're like, okay, we're going to do some sketchy shit and we're going to da da da. But you also need to be a great fucking band too. Yes. And I was just like, that's such an absurd, like thing to latch onto about that movie. But then he's like, yeah. you know, Gary Busey's in it. And, you know, like, obviously he's a good musician. Like, you know, he was in the Buddy Holly movie. Like he's, he's you know, done stuff to prove that he can, is a right. formidable musician. Right. But we just think of him as crazy Gary Busey. And then like, when he was talking about that, I was like, oh, here's, I'm, I wish I could, st- I found it the other day, actually, but the uh, postcard you had sent after the tour. Yes. And I was just like, it's so fucking funny. And then, yeah. you know, thinking about, you know. Well, we you just- got to, you have to explain to your listeners what the Gary Busey joke was. Well, I think at the time, and this this dates <laughs> this too, I think Life with Busey was out, like the show. Maybe. I, I mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. But on my end, it was like we would, we, if you if you quote unquote got Busey'd on yeah. this tour, that would be like, okay, you're looking at your phone going, okay, so the next city is Chicago. And I think we can head hit this restaurant on the way. And then you'd show someone your phone. It's just a picture <laughs> of Gary Busey. Um, and the stranger, the better. And you, you just, you know, you got be, and that's how you pass the time. And that's how this works. That's how this whole industry works. It's just jokes. At least for me, it's you have no. to not take it too seriously and, you know, get Busey'd once in a while. Well, I think like what's interesting too, and this is why like I love hanging around with people who tour because it, it, it is a very inside world. Like it's a very insulated oh, world. And it, the it jokes can't help but be. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. You know. But I remember like for you guys, or at least more so, I think Stefan, they had yeah. like he had just seen the unforgivable jo- oh, like yeah. YouTube video. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, at that point, that was a good six, seven years old. Like it had already ran its course pop culturally. Totally. So totally. for him to bring it back, it like made it all new again for me. Yeah. And then I had come up with the ideas like, what if you did the adverse of it and made the forgettable? Like where it's like, it's this dude doing the same thing. He's equally aggressive, but then right. he's apologizing instead of being right. like, like, well, that's your creative mind. That's why those things, ex- that's why the internet exists is for yeah. stupid shit like that. And for us to laugh and then maybe something cool comes out of it too. I, I love that. I, I mean, this, think- this past tour with train, all we did was watch that. I think you should leave. Uh, show on netflix and just like every every time on the talkback mics it's like i just don't want to be around anymore we did way too much you know all these stupid little jokes but like you know that's what it is that's what passes the time that's what helps you get through and like you know be strong out there i can imagine actually i don't know if he would do this in a live setting but it would almost be funny if like you know pat's talking in between songs and then brings something up inside of it just to get a pop out of all of you on stage it's always stuff like that. It's, it's always, always little hidden gems that you have to decode. And if you're if you're in, you're like, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And he's a genuinely funny guy and like dark humor. Really, really good. Like our, our people, you know, and it's it's great. This is a, maybe a weird segue into something completely random, but correct me if I'm wrong. You or were a Howard Stern fan, aren't you or weren't you? I'm a, I'm a huge Howard fan. Yeah. OK. I know he had, and, he had Mick Jagger on last week. I know. I haven't gotten to check it out yet. Actually, yeah. I saw because uh, I got a bunch of friends in uh, North Carolina. I guess Mick went to a, a hole in the wall dive bar and no I, one recognized him. <laughs> I heard that. And he like posted a photo. That's yep. like a little that's a little sloppy for the bubble tour. But yeah, whatever. He's Mick Jagger. What are they going to do? Fire him? Well, I was going to say, I mean, if nothing killed Keith, <laughs> Keith uh, or uh, Keith, yeah. I, I think at this point, they're all immune to anything at this point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say, I know like Pat's a, a pretty big uh, or pretty close with Howard. Like, has that been something where you've actually now gotten to, to meet Howard at all? Through- I haven't. I haven't yet. But but I will say that more than anything, that is a bucket list thing for more than like Madison Square Garden or or winning a Grammy or some something lofty like that. Uh, going on Howard's show would be the the ultimate thing for me. So I hope I hope that I hope that I get the opportunity to do that. And well, I hope see, that I don't say anything stupid. <laughs> I uh, it's so weird. So I've been playing MLB the Show, uh, the baseball video game. Yeah, and I hit a Red, home run. Red Sox Yankees for the wild card on Tuesday. Yeah, that's fine. I'm a Braves that? fan. Come on. Yeah, I'm a Braves fan, man. You know All that. Right. Same team then, Boston Braves, old school. Oh, well, there you go. So, but yeah. I'm still. Because I have too many friends that are rooting for the Yankees, I'm gonna go with the Yankees. Oh my god! All right, I'm hanging up. See you later. <laughs> it's good talking to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Yankees. I feel like the Yankees are actually kind of almost akin right now to like the Braves, where it's like they have the pieces. But I know, at least for me, the last four years have been like we'll have a good, we'll have a competitive team starting around now. Yeah, yeah. So the last well, like four years where it's actually been we've made some deep playoff runs and being a game away from the World Series last year, losing to the fucking Dodgers. Yeah. I was like gravy for me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that and I just love shit talking uh, Yankees fans. Oh god, I love that. Same but here. Something that you know equally is interesting, and I feel like you're a, a, able to talk about this a little bit more. You know, I've talked about it on the show, you know, now that Bridget and I get to travel a lot more. And getting to experience different areas and so forth. So like, you know, we've spent time in the South, you know, gone out East or I'm from out East going out West, living in the Midwest, you know, you being from the East coast and now living out out West, like how was that for you transitionally? 
It was great. I mean, uh, after you and I met, I, I was living in New York and I bounced around a bit. I ended up in Nashville for a couple of years and that's where um, Grace happened. And that led me here because I started dating her assistant, Allison, who we, we lived together in this place uh, in L.A. And she lived in L.A. So when that tour got over, I was like, well, OK, I'll pack up the car and move to L.A. I got, you know, I'm living out of a suitcase anyway, most of the time. So uh, and then when I got to L.A., um, things other things started happening for me. And, and um, uh, the, the the East Coast thing doesn't really there's a ton of East coast representation out here. There's a ton of guys. And like, when you meet someone who likes Howard or likes the Red Sox or, you know, whatever it is, you can connect on a, a pretty, pretty solid level. And it's nice to have some taste of home out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really this is home and it's, it's, it's comfortable for me, especially touring a lot. You know, I just saw my parents a week ago in Boston cause we had a show in Boston and they came down and I'm from New Hampshire and it was a, a few hours drive for them, but, really in the grand scheme of things, it was like, Oh, we got an extra hang in this year. That's great. You know, like what a, a, a cherry on top because we haven't toured forever and haven't seen them too much. So. Yeah, that's, I would like, <laughs> it's been weird. Cause like a lot of people will be like, Oh, so when touring started coming back, a lot of people were like, don't ask for fucking guest list. Da, 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 da. Right. And then, you know, I'll get like a text. It's like, Hey, you coming out to this show? And I'm like, Oh uh, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, I was going to buy tickets or whatever. And they're like, no, you're good. And then it's like, well, yeah. we can't hang though. And then I'm like, all right, well now that three and a, three hour drive each way becomes a little yeah. less like I want to yeah. go do that. Cause I'm like, the show is whatever to me. Like I could, I can catch another show, but yeah. it's more of the hang that I'm looking for. Cause I'm like, yeah, like you said, like it's, it's maybe one or two times I get to see someone throughout the year and only for, yeah. you know, 20, 30 minutes potentially. But yeah. it's, uh, it's made it kind of interesting just to kind of, I think, see, I feel like to kind of really see how solid the friendships really are. Like, because mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the interesting thing is, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, and I don't think you would probably maybe quite understand this from the same perspective as me, since I'm not in a thing where I'm showcasing a talent that is bringing people to me necessarily. But, you right. know, it's always a lot of people are just like, you know, I don't know like why you would go like, you know, I drove three and a half hours to go see a friend in Detroit and they're like, so how was the show? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't see the show. I stayed in the lobby because he was doing, he was TMing, but he was also running merch because like their merch guy was sick or something. Right. And they're like, so you just hung out in a lobby. And I was like, yep. Watched a Yankees game with him and yep. bullshitted and had a fun time for like a couple hours. And then yeah. I went home and that was that. And they're like, that sounds so boring. Like you missed the fun part. And I was like, no, the fun part is actually what I went to go do, which is hang yeah. out with my friend. The show yeah. is secondary. Yeah, totally. Totally. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, it's about, I don't know, life. That's a, that's life stuff right there. You know, concerts are fun, but like friendships are are better. <laughs> Real friendships. Were you so like I know for me, I went to go do some interviews for the Kill Switch August Burns Red, like the Torch Tour cool. uh, here in town. And we were like th- an hour between two of the interviews I did. Um the news of you know the west coast basically shutting down with with covid and all that kind of stuff had started and then gotten obviously very serious to where by the end of the the night when everyone like the show was done and all that you know and i'm saying my goodbyes because i'm like oh i'll see you in a week because you guys are going to be in detroit 
And then it was, yeah, it, yeah we don't know. Like, cause all the West coast stuff starting to shut down. So Ugh. I don't really know how we're going to do that or route back because if yeah. we can't go out West to then come back, like, what do you do? And then literally the next day, the whole country shut down. Oh, it was you so have, weird. Do you have a story like that? Like, do you, can you kind of recall where you were when like everything like, happened? Yeah. So, so train was working. Uh, it was like what they, what they do every year is they'll do um, a bunch of a, a big summer tour and then a bunch of private shows. Hmm. So the, we were coming off of, and, and every other year they do the train cruise out of Miami. So we, it was, it was about Valentine's day, like mid February. We went and did the cruise for a week. We played a private show in San Francisco, which was a hot spot. Uh, Vail, Colorado, which is a hot spot, which was a hot spot. Um, and then we did the cruise. We played Mardi Gras, which was, ha- but like ended up, ended up. Uh, but so I this missed is, you by a week. So this is about a, a month's worth of shows, right? And so we yeah. were flying everywhere and, and on a boat. And, and me and Jerry ended up in Seattle with Pat writing and, um, that was ground zero at the time. And he, and that was around March 11th. And by March 12th, he was like, the national guards coming in, you guys should go home. (laughs) And, and then, you know, and then clearly everything happened and the crazy, the weirdest thing was seeing all every date in the calendar for that year moved one, one calendar year later and then bumped from there. So it's just, it was just so weird. No one, no one came out of this, the same person as they went into it. You know, not even, not even close. No, I know. I, I ended up going to therapy uh, during Good all of you. this. Yeah, it was interesting. And I, I joke now because, you know, I can make the joke, but it's like, I think that's, you know, that's how I've dealt with a lot of stuff is just humor. And, you know, like yes. I had to put Allie down. I know you met Allie. I had to put Allie yeah. down literally the first day of last, the new year. Oh, I'm and sorry to hear that. She was sweetheart. Absolutely. But like, you know, I joked, I was like, well, in hindsight, she knew that this year was going to be fucking garbage, so she got out when the getting was good. She, she knew they have uh, an instinct for this. <laughs> absolutely. So it's like I can joke about it now, but totally, it's, uh, totally. it's one of those where it's like, you know, I think I think a lot of us just kind of realize that some of the things maybe we didn't have time to deal with uh, or would kind of be able to put off. Now we, we couldn't do yeah. that anymore. And I know, like, for me, the one thing I said throughout the whole thing that was really nice is I at least had this. So I still had the social interaction with people, yeah. Uh, yeah. whereas a lot of people didn't. But I saw what it was starting to do to a lot of people. But it's totally. uh, one of those where I became I think it actually affected this show for the better because it made me just want to do something more in the moment, and just free flowing as opposed to, like I said, just something so structured. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's nice to just catch up as friends and and uh, yeah, make have a real conversation. We ended up um, we ended up driving from L.A. to Ohio to Cincinnati, mm. where Ali's from. And ended up spending the better part of three months there because we we're like, this is the year to do it. I mean, no one's getting any younger and let's spend time with, with your family. And I actually continued on to New Hampshire for a couple of weeks and got to see, got to spend a real hunk of time with my folks and my brother and his wife. And uh, it's just, it ended up being the year to do that. You know, some things became less important and other things you realized became way more important. Something that was kind of a big shock for me, and we'll kind of slowly start wrapping this up because I know you got your friend coming soon. Um, Thanks, buddy. Yeah, uh, that's part of my job of being professional. I got to keep track of time. Look at Um, you. um, (laughs) You've come a long way, my friend. uh, Keeping track of time is something that I've gotten a lot better at now. (laughs) Um, 
you know, something that was kind of really interesting to me and, and a very, uh, like, I don't want to say eye-opening, but just kind of like a very, really, like, proud of you kind of moment was, you know, at that Grace Potter show, I hadn't seen you probably in a good, like, two, three years uh, at that point, I think. And I remember Bridget and I were just like, man, Matt, Matt looks really fucking good. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you had lost, I mean from what I would consider, like, it seemed like you had lost a good, like almost half, half your weight from when the last I saw you. Yeah. And like, what kind, I don't think I've really heard you and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I just think, you know, no, in light I'm of talking about to. being, uh, making positive changes and so forth, um, kind of walk me through like what happened, what was the catalyst kind of for, for that? Cause it just seemed well, like out of nowhere. Well, what happened after New York was I had, I had gotten married in New York uh, I had kind of retreated to New Hampshire and we realized that we were growing apart and we had a really amicable divorce and I bought a car and headed to Nashville. Um, so in that time, uh, and New York was pretty miserable for me. So I was, I was overweight and not making healthy choices. So as soon as I got to Nashville, I started running. I picked up running. My brother actually put the bug in my ear before I left. And he was like, we, we went on a couple of jogs just locally back in New Hampshire. And he, he, uh, he kind of inspired me to get going on that. And so I kind of tortured myself in Nashville. I, I would go out in the middle of the summer uh, into Shelby Bottoms, which is, a, which is like kind of a greenway space. And I would run. I would put on Bring Me the Horizon and run like crazy at like 2 p.m. at the hottest point of the day and just sweat it out. And I lost about 50, 60 pounds. Um, just from doing that. And, and of course from touring, you know, like just playing a two hour rock show with grace every night, I was sweating my ass off. So I just worked hard and got inspired and did it. And, and, and luckily have, have kept that, that love affair with running and just being a little healthier, uh, since. So I think hopefully it added years to my life. We'll see. <laughs> it was just definitely one of those where you know i didn't feel like there was like and that's the thing and you know like because i've kind of gone the opposite way where it's like all the weight i wanted to gain when i was like a twig and couldn't yeah it's like now i now i've got it and you know i was just having a conversation the other day with someone where i was like you know i could probably stand to lose you know probably a good 20 30 pounds and i go but here's the thing like I spend a lot of my free time doing this, like I'm working on this around the clock, editing, yeah. doing all this other stuff, setting up emails, you know, doing, putting in the work, uh, yeah. still working, you know, two jobs basically. And you're not finding, smoking, are you? I don't, I've never smoked. Okay. Good. No, never been, never been my thing. I smoke. Well, not right now. Cause I'm working on getting another job. Cause I apparently don't have enough free time. Um, uh. <laughs> but weed is the thing that I've been partaking in in the last probably year and a half just to like yeah. help sleep and get normal sleep. Cause sure. I, not very good at sleeping and uh was one of those things where i had said to someone though they're like oh i, I could too or i wish i could too and i was like you can i was like and i can too and i go but i i was like i just came to the point where i've been able to maintain the weight i'm at for a good five six years like yeah. either dirt like a couple pounds here and there whatever yeah but if i'm not willing to do something about it then i'm not going to beat myself up about it because i'm choosing not to make a choice like i'm choosing yeah. to stay in this pattern and until i'm ready to break out of it then like that's on me but right. like i'm not well, going to sit there and be in this perpetual state of well i'm i'm out of shape and i want to work out and da, da, da. and then like yeah. now you're just beating yourself up and it's like either commit to doing it or commit to not and being okay with who you are 
I think it's really cool that you're not making bullshit excuses for yourself. You can't. Yeah. And you're like, I'm choosing to do this and I'm not overweight, but I'm comfortable and good. And like if and when I decide to take the next step, I will. But you're not making some excuse of like, well, I can't because this, this and this. That's a that's a tough type of person I've learned who makes those excuses for themselves. So I think that's a healthy trait. Well, I mean, it's funny you said bringing up running because like pre Steve Prefontaine was always one of my early inspirations running track. And now we're just getting some of our fall weather to start rolling in. And I'm like, yeah. and I've been telling myself, I hate because I hate being hot. I'm already I run hot to begin with. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like. I could go run in the heat of the middle of the day, but that would be even worse for me. So I'm like, right. fall comes, I think I'm going to be and do what I used to do when I would train for track season, which is start running now when it's colder, wear sweats. Yeah. And then you sweat yeah. out that way and then even run in the winter time because then yeah. you can wear little layering because you're already getting warm. I and love just it. do that. So I think I, I love running in Cincinnati, man. In the winter, I put on long johns, mm-hmm. top and bottom, and just go for it. And it's so much fun so much fun i don't know i i love it and, and don't bum yourself out with it run like a half mile yeah and then and then do, don't bum yourself out so that you're not trying to do it the next day make it so it's fun so you can do it the next day i don't know it's a it's everyone's <laughs> everyone's individual journey but it's it's a it's a good one it's been a good one for me and then uh i guess what do we got five more minutes ish yeah yeah um sorry no no certainly fine i'm just because i hate like Ending it so weirdly like that. So I was just kind of like, all right, what, what's what's something else we can kind of end up? So yeah. on a on a fun, like last question, I guess, uh, what are you, you know, because we're winding down this year, getting ready to go into, you know, 2022, which is weird to say. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you most looking forward to to end this year? And maybe what's a goal you have going into next year? Um, uh, this year, I'm looking forward to the holidays. Uh, I think I'm going to go to Nashville for a bit. I think we're just going to take a trip because it's been a busy couple of years, actually, just like kind of nonstop. We were very fortunate to have really good problems. Allie works for the the Petty Estate and I I am able to work, too. So that's, she that's where that plaque came from that you posted about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so we've been fortunate to work and I'm looking forward to not working for a bit and just being with family and uh, enjoying the holidays awesome it's 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 a that's a that's a shitty answer but it's the truth <laughs> yeah i mean this i mean that's the one nice thing You're about like, it yeah least... it was a shitty answer well no 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 i was gonna say <laughs> I, I think for a lot of people though for those that maybe don't know this is this is and that's kind of what i was saying like i can look into next year with you because the industry starts shutting down right around thanksgiving uh yeah. you know not doing a whole lot at that point so it's really that's the wind down for you to where you can kind of start looking at time that you have for for whatever else but yeah. then you also start looking at well next year i have or we're looking at doing and then you can kind of be like i'm excited about whatever those things are so yeah it's a yeah, unique opportunity I, to kind of be in yeah i'm 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 not uh i'm not looking as far ahead as 2022 yet because as we've seen, you can't really pre- <laughs> predict what's going to happen, but I hope for the best and I hope everyone stays safe and smart. Where can, uh, where can everyone find you or whatever you would like to plug online? Oh God. Um, well just, I think just Google my name and all my stuff will come up. Matt musty. That's me. And I can assure you that he is actually not musty. He's, he's actually smells pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. I've been, I've been, <laughs> this is the, this is what I came on here for. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you could tell the people. <laughs> it's low hanging fruit, man. You know me. Yeah. I, I will uh, pull any joke I can out of anything. I'll go there too. Every time. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, it was really good catching up and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the road at some point. Yeah. I'm going to say probably good. next year and then we'll actually get to hang and uh, totally maybe if it's in Chicago, grab a pizza again. Let's please do that. Thank I you actually so much for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I think I just hit end. So that was my conversation with Matt Musty again of train and a lot of other projects. Um, when I just see Matt post, you know, he's, he's not very active on social media necessarily. Um, but when he does post things on Instagram and, and some of his stories and so forth and just him working and, and working on creating sounds and getting the right tones and, and experimenting and stuff like that with other musicians, I just, that's the kind of shit that like really intrigues me as just a person who loves music. I love being able to see somebody who's so passionate about what they do, but just passionate about the, the art of creating and to be at one of the highest levels of doing it, you know, I, I often make the comment to a lot of friends when talking about music. And, and I think I even said it in the chat with Matt, you know, studio musicians are, are some of my favorites because, you know, they're the people that literally are making the songs that you, you come to love from some of these solo artists. But more times than not, they're not the ones that are getting uh, the accolades necessarily. Um and sometimes they're not even the ones that go out and, and actually perform the songs that they wrote. You know, that's left up to a live band of hired musicians or whatever. But it's one of those, like, I was actually just looking at uh, my time hop on Facebook the other day. And it was talking about, and, and as we talked in the conversation, uh, you know, the guy from The Voice, uh, the drummer for, for that. And dude's a fucking beast. Uh, talking about Tony Royster Jr., you know, talking about drummers. Um, I fucking, fucking love it. I mean, music is something obviously I'm very passionate about. And to be able to share that with my friends, I think is just something it's, it's kind of a universal language that can appeal to anybody. Even if, you know, like Matt said, you know, I wasn't versed in, in hard rock or metal. So it was a challenge for me to, to, to play some of the sun and flesh stuff. And, you know, looking back on that time of touring, even as shitty and shitty as it could be, um, it's one of those, like, it was, it. I mean, you could literally hear me say it. It caught me off guard to hear him say, like, I was really, I'm really proud and fortunate to have those memories and those experiences, uh, a tour, doing that tour with you and the Sun and Flesh guys, because now that I get to tour at the capacity that I do, and, you know, everyone kind of has the stories of, you know, the come up and, and, and the, the sacrifices and dues they had to pay, you know, I have those same stories. And it's weird. At times when I do this show, sometimes I feel like I come across like I'm trying too hard to explain the things I've gone through, the things I've done that allow me to talk to some of my friends and talk to some of these guests in a capacity that shows that I'm not trying to one up or, you know, be with someone, but just like I, that I understand that I come from a little bit of this and I have personal experiences that I can pull from uh, or some secondhand stories and so forth from others from just learning. And there's been a meme going around and it's, and I hate to call it a meme because I feel like it actually lessens the importance of the message contained within this image. But it was one going around where uh, it basically states if 
you're telling a story and then I tell you something similar of my own experiences. That's not one, that's not me trying to one up you or make you the focus on me. That's me trying to explain to you that I understand what you've gone through and the things you are going through and that it's kind of a connector. It's, it's kind of based on empathy uh, to a degree. And I feel like that's what I constantly am doing. Like every time I see that, I'm like, fuck, that is what I do on this show constantly. Um, so I, I don't know. Sometimes I, like I said, I haven't done a podcast in like a month. I haven't really talked to people, <laughs> uh, in about a month, uh, on any kind of recorded medium to kind of work through my own shit. Um, but th- this is definitely kind of something in light of the holidays in light of, you know, people getting together, uh, family, you know, thinking about what you're thankful for and all those kind of things. It's just something that I'm very, very much thinking about a lot. Um, and like I said, it, it was so serendipitous when I kind of realized this week as I'm preparing to do this intro and outro and get this episode built that Matt was going to be the episode that was coming out. And it's like this just really kind of encapsulates a lot of what I've been thinking about uh, and going through personally. So, um, again, I know this is super long winded. And, you know, for those that are only coming to, to potentially hear the conversation I have with Matt and, and are skipping through this or whatever, um this isn't typically how these go, but I think maybe they should be. I think we, I think I should be a little bit more honest on this platform and kind of talk through some things and, and kind of uh, showcase that, you know, the things I'm thinking and, and, and eventually say are maybe the same things you're thinking and going through. And sometimes I feel like when I hear other people going through the same thing, going back to the intro where I said, you know, having and hearing Mark Marin go through some shit or hearing Kevin Smith talk about shit he's gone through. And it's like, oh, it makes me like I've had those problems. I had that same issue. Okay, it's not just me. So it becomes one of those things where sometimes I think hearing other people vocalize the same things, I think, allows us to feel less isolated from other people based on our feelings that we have internally. Um, All of that said, huge thank you to Matt. Uh, for taking the time, as always, uh, the dude is always super gracious, and he is one of my favorite people. Uh, I I wish we were a lot closer so we could hang out and grab coffees or teas or something like that, or perhaps even a whole meal of food, uh, if you get that reference. And this is where we plug all the uh, the socials and so forth. So if you would like to keep up with Matt, I'm actually just going to keep it real fucking simple. Just go to mattmusty.com. That is literally the landing page for everything he has done. You can see the songs that he's worked on. You can see behind the scenes stuff that he's worked on for different stuff. I think there's a video up there of him working on the Christmas album or Christmas song with Gwen Stefani. Um, it tells you all of his, uh, songwriting credits. Um, and then even the links to his Instagram and his Twitter accounts, which are just simply at his name. So simple enough. Uh, if you would like to keep up with this podcast, even easier, brucespeakpod.com is the landing page for everything. This podcast, uh, pretty much you can find us anywhere on the internet, uh, interwebs, YouTubes, whatever the fuck we are there. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will see you all next week where our guest is Vicky from The Agonist. That was a really good lengthy chat as well. Looking forward to getting into that one with you all. I'll see you next week.